pray. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Verse 4, There were giants in the earth in those days, and after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And then verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for loving us and dear Lord making salvation available to us at a great cost. I pray you'd help us this morning. I want to be a blessing. Uh, I want to honor you above anything else. I want to preach out of this book, uh, the burden you put on my heart. I pray that you'd help us to hear today. I pray that whatever you want done in our hearts, including mine, God, that Lord, we'd look at that and we'd, we'd uh, be favorable to make a good decision, maybe course correction, maybe something for the future. It's, it's all here. So we ask you for that, God. We trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to uh, read another passage uh, to validate the passage that I just read. Isn't that neat how you can do it in the Bible? You can go through all of it and one part validates the other. But I want to kind of validate this to... Uh, Make sure you understand that this is relative for today that I just read. In Matthew 24, verse 38 through 41, Jesus said, For as the days were before the flood, we just read about the coming flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. There shall be two in the field, the one be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. And the note of attention here is where Jesus compares modern times just before the rapture, the end of this age, that it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And so we just validated that it's relative for us here today. Now, only God knows what the timeline is going to be. The, the clock is ticking, and sometimes we don't like that, right? I was looking at the clock this morning. I got up early. We stayed in Hattiesburg last night, and I was looking, uh, um, looking at the, the clock, and I said, I got plenty of time, and I had to run up to the church for a few minutes this morning, then went back uh, and got dressed. And so I was watching the clock, and the next thing I knew, man, I'm going to be late if I don't get in the car and get on down here. So God only knows what the clock is reading right now and how long is left, but we know this, the clock is ticking. Time is ticking by. This is coming. And um, the Bible talks about how unexpected it will be when it happened. Will take place. So we also know by this passage that history is going to repeat itself. History is going to repeat itself. I just read it in the book. Not my words, but God's words. And we can read it and we can get some understanding from it. So history is going to repeat itself, as we see here, not every detail, but much of it, the mainstay. And so as we look at this, we can look back with a certain amount of accuracy 
at many things. We can see today and we can look back and see back in the days of Noah and we can not make predictions, but we can see a certain amount of accuracy. It said every detail is not the same, but the basic what's going to happen uh, is going to happen and we can look back to the passage I just read and get some understanding about this. And so there's much to glean from here this morning and so I don't want to get bogged down in it, so I'm going to go to the one thing that God put upon my heart where my burden is want to focus on how things unraveled then, how things unraveled then. I, I don't want to insult the day that we live in, but uh, there's a lot of dumb stuff happening. Uh, there's a lot of strange stuff happening, and there's, uh, uh, we, we just need the Lord, amen? And, but it will help you and I, as we can look at this, to be able to see some things that will help us, right? We, we, we want to be helped. I want to be helped. And I want to help my wife. I want my wife to be helped. I want my children to be helped. I want my grandchildren to be helped. And God wants, and I want too, everybody in this room to be helped. And so as we look at this, we've got to focus on how things unraveled then and how things are now the same unraveling that's taking place all these thousands of years later. Now, I need one more verse to relate my burden. So I'm going to read that one more verse to you. And then we'll share the message thought. Hebrews eleven seven. Here's Noah again. The Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. I want you to look in the middle of that verse. It says that Noah moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And I want to preach this morning on the thought of the saving of our homes. The saving of our homes. You know, when I was a little boy, I didn't like to get, get in trouble, and, but I did. And uh, they had some different remedies back in those days than they do today. And they were quite efficient. And uh, I'm just thankful I didn't get in trouble for all the things I didn't get caught at. Amen. And... Uh, when I got saved, the record was wiped clean all the way back through those days, and, and, and now we're saved and sealed until the day of redemption, and, and, but God wants us to keep the, records, keep the record right, amen? He wants us to stay right with him. But as we look at that verse, the saving of his house and the subject, the saving of our homes, I want you to think about this this morning. God has a plan. How many times have you heard that? You're preaching about it. God's got a plan. Everybody don't like the plan. And, you know, I can't help that. I didn't always like the plan. There's parts of the plan that I don't like. <laughs> but, you know, I realized that, you know, I'm not going to change that part. So I'm going to have to conform to that part. And, 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 and that's the whole process after we get saved that God wants us to do that. And I just about guarantee every grandparent, there's probably great grandparents in there too, um, and parent here, you love your kids, you want what's good for them, and you would like to produce... And forgive the way I put this, a good product, right? You'd like to produce a good product. Now, we know today that the world culture we live in today, is, we look back, we're going to compare it a little bit here to the days of Noah. The world culture's got a plan too. And we know, <laughs> we know it's ridiculous, right? And so what we need to do, God's put some things in here. And if you'll give me your attention for just a little bit, I'll try to pull this burden out that God has showed me. Now, you may not agree with it. But here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you at least to consider it 
And I also like for you, when you go home and read your Bible, and maybe over the coming days and weeks, look at it and see some things in here where this began to unravel. And it's the same thing that's unraveling here today, okay? So let's jump into it. The saving of our homes. I want you to notice in that verse in Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says that Noah moved with fear. Noah moved with fear. Noah believed the warning that God had given. Now, we know Jesus is coming back. Uh, the Bible says it all through. We read right there about where there'll be one taken here and the other one left, another one taken there and another one left, and that fits the rapture. We know that it's coming. We know that really nothing else has got to have to happen before uh, for that to take place. Every saved person is going to be gone when that takes place. And we're going to immediately have those new bodies. And all of those that are lost, those that's had opportunity to be saved and they've rejected Jesus Christ, they'll be left here behind in the chaos. By the way, the Bible says that half the world's population will be destroyed during that seven-year tribulation period that's going to take place after the rapture uh, of, of the saints. So here's the first thing. Noah moved with fear. He believed the warning. And it was serious business to Noah. It was number one. He, God says this is going to happen. And God told him exactly what to do when he prepared that ark. And the Bible says Noah moved with fear. I want you to understand that. This thing of, of, of moving with fear. Um, that when, we, when we're afraid that we're not going to get it all done, right? When we're afraid that we're not going to meet the time uh, that's involved, the, the deadline. Or maybe we're not going to get everything done that we need to get done before this happens. And there's a lot to do, right? Uh, there's a lot to do. We could be better stewards of our time. So Noah moved with fear. It was serious business with him. And he believed the warning. He believed God. And I want you to notice this, and I want to direct this a little bit to the dads that are here, that uh, uh, it was his responsibility as a father. Now, I love my wife. And, and my wife, can she, can, she, she does pretty good. I mean, <laughs> amen, she can go the distance. And uh, I like to stay in good with my wife. My wife likes to stay in good with me. And uh, the wife is very important. And, you know, God made Adam first. I'm not a chauvinist. I just, you know, I believe the Bible. And I don't want to smear anybody here. I don't know what I'd do without my wife. Amen? And God made male and he made female. Amen? And, and they're, they're, they're both a part of the home. And that's what God started the home with here. But it was Noah's responsibility. It was the responsibility of Noah as a father to make sure that his home was taken care of. And I could give you a bunch of verses, and I just get, I'm going to give you one out of the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice this. Dads, I could not do what I do if I didn't have the support of my wife. That's very important. And I don't want any of you ladies to think that this is, this is a woman rundown thing. It ain't. <laughs> Eve was tailor-made for Adam. We tell the kids at camp, you've heard me rattle this on before, and I'll rattle it on every time I get to preach, that God has a plan and that God's got a somebody out there. Brother Nate and I was just talking about the friend that he had uh, in their 40s that, hey, found the right one. And I, I was the best man at one of my good friends, 40 years old. And uh, she found Mr. Wright and he found Mrs. Wright. So here's the deal. If Noah did it, we can. If Noah did it, we can. Isn't that encouragement? 
If Noah did it, we can. Anybody can quit. And so Noah, notice this, he moved with fear. And I want to tell you, dads and the ladies out there that support their husbands, we need to be moving in the right direction. And we, uh, I like to have fun, amen, there's a lot of crazy stuff. We made all kind of fun games at camp over the years. And boy, if I had all the ones that I cooked up in my mind, you know, we would really have an imagine, imagine, uh, <laughs> uh, imaginary park of some kind but you know I taught my boys when we work we work and when we play we play and now they didn't get that right off the bat right (laughs) y'all know brother Jeremiah and uh but uh there's there's a seriousness about this all this is going to be gone one day And so notice, first off, Noah moved with fear. We need to be serious about these things, and uh, we need to be serious as as, as fathers. We need to uh, have have our wife in support. We need to have harmony in the home, and we need to understand that God's got a plan. Second thing I want you to notice in this passage is, with Noah with his kids, that Noah got them through the world and then got them in the ark. What do you mean he got them through the world? Well, you know... uh, I'm in my 60s. I know I don't look it, but uh, that's because my wife takes good care of me. She got my hair just right before I left, and you know how it is. You guys that are balding out there, you got to get every hair just in place. But uh, uh, Noah got his kids through the world. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:7 that he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now, understand that's talking about the ark itself. Uh, I'd like to go up here and see that reproduction one day up north wherever it's at and it'd be an amazing thing to see that and I've always thought about it and I'd love to have one at the camp we just hadn't gotten to where we can build an ark up there yet uh, but uh, we built a pirate ships and other things over the years but notice this the second thing Noah got got his kids through the world and then got them in the ark so he prepared now what you think about this this morning I want you to look at the condition of the world God's description of the world in Noah's day In verse 5, it says, And God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Don't you think about what that says? I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, that's real bad. That the condition of the world, that that the thoughts of of everybody's imagination, that it was wicked, that it was bad, that it was... uh, I don't know about you, but if, if you... If you, if you look around, you know, America today and you look around at uh, what's going on among your, your neighbors and, you know, I mean, we need God, not saying that we're perfect at, at all, but God, this message, God wants to help us to see the unraveling what took place. So today compared to back then, I'm thinking that back then it was probably worse at that point because a hundred years after, took place after what was written here, what God said to Noah, took a hundred years to build the ark and he raised his boys from zero up to you know a hundred years old somewhere in that in that in that region and uh and today you know i believe there's a lot of saved people in the world i don't believe it got down to like with noah eight and it's my opinion the bible teaches that if you were saved during that period of time you either got on the ark or you were dead 
Because the Bible teaches that we're not appointed to wrath. Jesus died on the cross to save us from the wrath of God. We have chastisement and other things that take place. So we see here the condition of the world at that time. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And I'm saying that's pretty bad. The power of darkness is running wild. You heard Brother Jeremiah last Sunday. He talked about talking to some other preachers and, and uh, about how, you know, there's a sense of, of just evil and darkness, you know, and you, you hear about the things. And, and I want to tell you, I think, the, I think the news does a great disservice to people spreading all this heinous stuff that's going on around, you know. Uh, we're not supposed to have fellowship with that. You know, it's not just being a physical part of it. You're getting a few extra things here. I don't know if you noticed that or not. But that we're not supposed to be letting those go in. You know, uh, familiarity breeds contempt, as old Vance Havner used to say. So we see the condition. It was bad. Now, I want to tell you, it don't have to get that bad for the, for the trumpet to sound. This is kind of a like kind. We're looking, we're looking back to see how this thing uh, unraveled so we can learn about today. So the church at that time, you know, Methuselah died the year of the flood. So there was still a church. They would still save people in, in, in that world, in this horrible time that we just described there, that God described. There were still Christians there. So there was still a church that existed in some form of Christians scattered around. Again, because we know that Noah died the year of the flood. And so the church, here's, here's what happened. The church lost God's vision for the home. And if you want to get something big, I said, that's it. And this is what's unraveling today. And I'm going to tell you how it unraveled. Because I'm going to read it right out of the Bible. And what you do with it is your business. But I hope you look at it. And some of you are of an age that you can look back to a time and you can understand some of these things that have really unraveled. In this subject here, we're going to look at in just a second. So here's what happened. The church lost its vision for the home. Now, let me just throw this at you before I read some more verses. Can I ask you what's more important in the home? What's more important in the home? Money? Well, the Laodicean church, we're rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing. Pride? They got to boast about that. Look at who I am and what I did and what I accomplished. I used to think I was a hot shot in my 20s and doing big building projects, and I was the boss and got to deal with the clients and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I look back at that. When God called me to preach, I took all my blueprints. I took all my awards. I took all my letters of accommodation. I took all those things. You know what I did with them? I burned them. After God called me to preach, they did not mean anything to me because they did not going to make me that much more of a Christian. They're going to help me a bit in the business of preaching. Amen. And I was like, no, I was scared to death about the prospect of becoming a preacher. So here we see this, that the church lost the vision for the home. Now listen to these verses quickly. In verse 1, the Bible says, It came to pass that men began to multiply upon the face of the earth. Now listen carefully. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. That's the lost generation of Cain. Okay, you study it out, go home, get your Bible. I know there'll be some different things explained in commentaries about what this is, but this is the lost men 
The next verse says, and the sons of God saw the daughters of men. See that daughters of men? So we got lost families. We got lost men. We've got lost daughters. Are you with me so far? Lost. They don't know, they don't, they don't know God. They're not like Noah. They're lost. So it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all they chose. Here you begin to see the church going astray. Now how far back did this begin? I don't know. God didn't put it in there, but it didn't happen right here at this point in time that God's given this warning. But it happened. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, the Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, we're supposed to love the lost. Isn't it wonderful when somebody gets saved? Two kids are going to get, get baptized here in a little bit, profession of faith. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, I mean, that's, we ought to be all into that. That's our job. That's the reason that we train, to get more people saved, to get more people on the boat. And so it says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And then it says, it explains that. What fellowship? What do we have in common? What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Do you see all the crazy, evil stuff that's going on out there today? Things that, uh, that people are getting into. And I mean, you know, folks, they can't even figure out uh, what gender they are, you know, that they were born with. You know, God made man, uh, made male, and he made female. And I'm not trying to get a laugh. I'm just telling you, I mean, do you see how bad things are? And then it's being taught in the school system. And then we got so many, so much wacky thinking. Wacky thinking, what are you talking about? I'm talking about going against the, the, the Word of God here. And God gives a long list of who's not going to be in heaven. And I'm sorry, but you're not going to be there. If you can't come to an accounting on the Word of God and what the Bible says. So it says that be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. So we see what began all of this, where it began to unravel, is the church began to compromise. Now, folks, listen, don't go out of here and say that Central Baptist Church doesn't love lost people. This church has got such a heritage of loving lost people. Um, that's not the point. The point is here, the Bible says that men lost families, their daughters, and then saved young men began to look at these girls. I'm pausing on purpose. They began to see these girls, that they were fair. And because of the attraction, I was attracted to my wife. That's a wholesome thing. But God gives some parameters to that coming together. Amen? And so we see here that, that the unraveling began, and you may think this is minuscule and say, boy, where'd you get that from? I got it right out of this book. I graduated high school. And I can read. I can discern. I can look up words. Got some Bible college, but uh, you can't. It's hard to beat just this book. Amen. You read it, and God will feed you. Brother Williams said, uh, "I've heard some some of the old timers here we visit said, uh, get in the book, and the book will get in you.' Amen. 
He also told me one time at a revival meeting at our first church many years ago, and Jeremiah was just a little kid. He said, they tried to run me off down there one time. But they was more with me than was with them. <laughs> Isn't God good? So as we see this, the church lost its vision for the home. It began to compromise. And, you know, uh, uh, and this is not an accusation this morning to young ladies. Or young men, you figure out where you are, amen? This book will give you some discernment of where you are, amen? So, 1 Corinthians 5, 6, the Bible says your glory is not good. What was going on? Inside the church, there was fornication. Inside the church, fornication. And everybody was turning their head the other way. Your glorying is not good. I don't know if the guy had money or maybe, I don't know what the, what the attachment was that they didn't have a talk with him. My, one of my best friends, he's, he's with the Lord now. He's about 25 years older than I am. And he helped us to start the church way back uh, there at Carson and just a great fella. And I miss him. Boy, do I miss him. I miss the old guys. <laughs> and quickly becoming one of them. And I had to go to his house one day. And it became public knowledge that he had a blended home, that his wife, daughter, had come to stay and brought her boyfriend. You know, I nearby rather cut off this little pinky finger then go and talk with my best friend about that. It was horrible in my heart thinking about what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. But, you know, I got there and I spoke with him. He didn't like it. He didn't, I mean, he didn't like the fact that that was going on. But, you know, he wanted to, his wife said, hey, they don't have a place to stay. And you know how things can happen after a while. And his first reaction was, who told you? Well, that's not, that wasn't important. It was common knowledge. You know, a lot of these things can be handled in private. Matthew chapter 18 talks about things like this. You and the other guy together. Handle it in private. Use the Bible. Amen? But it was public knowledge. So I had to go talk to him even though I had not witnessed it. Because he's a member of the church. And we talked, and he got a little, I mean, he didn't rant or nothing, but he was, he was ticked off, you know, for 10 or 15 minutes. But you know what he did? He took care of it. And when he died and I preached his funeral, we were still best friends, and I miss him. Your glory is not good. Know you not that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Paul was telling the church there at Corinth that, if you don't get this in check, it's going to run through the church. And today we see it as commonplace. We see it, I hate to say this, we even see it among some preachers and the preacher's families and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm showing you where this unraveled back in the days of Noah, and I just read it to you, okay? So, um, so here's what we, we need to do. The church had lost the vision for the home. And so what the Bible teaches us to do, and I'm going back to the dads now, 
firmly plant the vision. Firmly plant the vision. I don't know about you, I can't remember when I learned to read or learned to write, how to tie my shoes, stuff like that. Um, I don't have super past memories, you know. I remember traumatic things, getting spankings and, you know, crazy stuff like that and battery blowing up in my face one day because I was doing something I wasn't supposed to, all that crazy stuff. But somewhere in my generation at my home, and I did not live in a Christian home, but we lived in a moral home. There was, there was moral teaching there, even though it wasn't a Christian, a Christian home, and we didn't go to church unless I was at my grandmother's or something like that. And so here, here's what God is saying that needs to happen. Here's where that unravels. You say, well, are we going to stop the rapture by doing this? No, by no means are we going to stop the rapture. It's coming, and God knows it. He's the only one that knows it. Amen? But he knows it, and he's faithful, and it's going to happen. But God would like more people to be saved. God would like the church to have more power. God would like more people to get closer to him. God would like more people to hear the truth of the word of God and see what's happening in this crazy world that we live in today. So we see here the church lost its, uh, the vision for the home, God's vision for the home. And so here's what we got to do, Dad. So I'm going to give you a few verses here. And um, it, to firmly plant the vision. Deuteronomy 11:19, and I went through a bunch of them this morning, but I just chose out this one. And, uh, and a couple of others. 11.19, it says, And ye shall teach them, here's the commandments, here's the vision, teach them to your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now, that's directed to the, to the, to the, to the fathers. Now, I don't know if you heard all that what I said, when, when, you're, when you get up out of bed of a morning, you need to talk to your kid about the vision that God has in this book. When you're out walking by the way and you're teaching your, your kids to do something useful, how to work, use their hands, practical things, amen, learning common sense all along the way, you know, what goes up must come down, and all those, all those things that are very helpful in practical knowledge. And then when you're sitting down, when you're resting, then when you go to bed at night. I don't know about you, but I like to be smart. And I learn stuff just about every day. You learn something every day, folks, when you get married, won't you, Brother Gary? I mean, every day you learn something. So firmly plant the vision. God perfected the plan when it was first mentioned. Now, I'm putting these things out here like steps. And I'm not insulting anybody by saying that this is, this is simple if you want to believe the Bible. If you read, we, we read these verses, it says that in verse 3, after the first two verses that I gave you here, it says, The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120. He says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. What, what, right after we read this about the church, about Christians um, fellowshipping and taking for wives, uh, lost wives. And God, it says God's not pleased with that. God's not pleased with that. Okay, so we got that in that negative context. So we come on down here. So we, we're talking about God's vision for the home. There's nothing more important than the home. I'm going to tell you something. You can have heartbreak in your home going against this book. I've seen enough heartbreak to last me the rest of my life. But it's, it's still coming. 
So firmly plant the vision. God perfected the plan when first mentioned. Let me give you a couple more verses. Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Hey, uh, hey, brother, I thought that was just about when you get married. It is about when you get married. And that's where everything begins in the home is when you get married. But notice, says, for this cause, the cause of marriage, the young man leaves the authority of the home. I can't help it if the world don't like that. God wrote it, and he loves it, and it works every time. For this cause shall a man leave his mother, father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, the right time, the right person, the right way. That's it. You say, boy, you're sure giving God a lot of credit. Well, who else ought to get it? Some psychologist somewhere? Some you have to forgive my terms, my low education terms like nutball and stuff like that. And um, I, Listen, I, I don't like to hurt anybody. Uh, I'll even move a lizard out of the way uh, when I'm digging ditches at the camp doing stuff. If there's a frog, I, I'll, I'll throw the frog. I know it sounds crazy out of the way. I, I mean, I, I was a deer slayer back in the day, you know. And so, uh, so God perfected the plan that was first mentioned, and we got in Genesis 2.24, the right time, the right person, the right way. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but the whoremonger and adulterers God will judge. You ever read in the Bible when God judged somebody? It was exciting <laughs> if you saw it from afar. When Sodom and Gomorrah went up, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying God judges fornication outside of marriage. And that's what began to unravel was the home. And I'm just telling you, folks, listen. It's the home. It's the home. It's the home. God made the home. And God wants the home to be holy. And we've allowed happy to overrule holy. So the right time, the right person, the right place. There was a lady come in one time. I probably told this before, but I'm just letting God lead me. Amen. And they'd come and visit our church, and they're in Carson. And, boy, we were so excited. They had two kids. And, uh, man, they were excited. They wanted to work at the camp and do this and do that. And, man, just, you know, it's encouragement when somebody comes to church and they say, show me something to do. Well, she came back that night, but the husband didn't. And I didn't do the 50 questions, but she, after service, she came in to the dining hall. We had church in the dining hall that time and came into the kitchen, and we were talking. And, and she told me, she says, yeah, me and uh, the boy's name says, uh, uh, those are my kids. We're not married. And she says, um, I said, really? She said, yes. I didn't ask her to leave. My heart went out to her. You know why? She didn't know. She didn't know she was under the condemnation of God in that relationship. One of the old preachers, you've heard, heard other preachers say this, and we, we repeat some of the comments that others make. They sound real good. And he said, payday's not always on Friday. Anyway, I shared with her Hebrews 13, 4, just out of memory. 
Man, I quoted it for Tears began to come down her face. She was heartbroken. She said she was saved. And we went through the plan. But she was heartbroken. But she didn't get out of it. She had become dependent on the young man to help provide a living. The devil's a blackmailer. And he'll blackmail you from doing the right thing if you look at it from a world standpoint. I want to give you the last thing, but I want to ask you a question first. Can anybody here remember the hope chest? I'm seeing a few nods. The hope chest. I remember my wife, she had this old trunk. I mean, I think it goes back to the Civil War. I really do. And because it, uh, there was some Civil War money in it, not the play kind. It was real Civil War money in an old leather wallet when we opened it. And uh, she used it for a hope chest. Girls, a hope chest is a chest that you begin to collect things for when you get married. Maybe a quilt maybe certain dishes, maybe something your grandma gave you that means a lot to you. Stuff like that, that that you're saving it for that day for when you meet the right person and you get married. I think that's a good way to plant a vision with the girls. It's a hope chest. I made three for a good friend of mine years ago. He's going to give to his little granddaughters for Christmas. He died the day before Christmas. They still got the hope chest, cedar, you know, cut there on the property and, and uh, put them in his real tough job building those things. But can you picture that? Putting things in it, collecting, thinking about the day when you meet who God wants you to meet at the right time and you begin to put things in there that you want in your home. Planning the vision, planning the vision, getting prepared for that day, but waiting on that day. So finally, we see here Noah. Noah's home in Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things seen as yet, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now watch this by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is of faith. I want you to notice here with Noah, when by his home, by the vision that he had that he got from God, Noah's home condemned the culture of his day as wicked. You know what's neat? When that vision is planted... You know when you start planting it? Diapers. Diapers. Start planting the vision. Dad, I, I think it would be a good idea when the little one comes along, guys, you know, the, the girls, and, you know, get them a hope chest and say, these are things, this is what you put in things. Plant the vision. Start down here. Uh, I don't know about you, but all my kids went through the teenage years. 
I thank God for uh, not being a super smart guy, but for what God blessed me to plant and other preachers planted in their lives that was there that you can make contact with, uh, the things that meant something in their life. And, buddy, I want to tell you, if we waited till 15, 16 years old, that'd be like looking at a, at a, like a, a, a live oak tree on the Gulf Coast and try to move it. Plant the vision. How did it unravel? The church lost the vision. Plant the vision. Plant the vision. I don't think you've got to talk about explicit things. To me, that's a bunch of hooey. That's my opinion. But talk about the things of God and God's plan and plant the vision. And you teach that young lady what modesty is. You teach that young lady what holiness is. And you go back through the Bible and and you, you read about the, uh, the, the, the women in, in the days with the tinkling and walking and jingling when they walked and to draw attention to themselves. God ain't in that. And many of these kids don't have any idea of what's coming. They're just doing what everybody else is doing. Because so many moms, today, moms and dads today, they just want to be happy and have friends. So Noah's home condemned the culture of his day as wicked. It was stated loud and clear. If God was looking for a Noah today, I wonder whose door he'd knock on. His home condemned the culture of his day. Genesis 6, 8, 9, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 2 Peter 2, 5, the Bible says... And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah was three for three. Even got the wives of the boys. Isn't that great? I think that's a pretty good vision. Say, God, that's what I want for my home. But there's a whole lot more steps to it. That's just the problem. That's where it unraveled. There's a lot of practical, simple things that, that we can do in a church and, and as a child of God that are, are basic, simple things. Amen? Um, supervision. Eyes. Amen? Supervision. And... Uh, you know, uh, when it gets to the point to where kids are, are to a point, I, I said young ladies and young men, to the point to where they're of, of uh, maybe marrying age or looking for that special person, you know, and they're praying about it. And Brother Jeremiah mentioned here, I know in a message here a while back about making a list, you know, and I think that's a good thing. Make a list of what you want and what you don't want. And so there's there's just a lot of practical things. And you know, I want to tell you, if, if, uh, uh, if your appearance is like the world, you're going to draw the world. I'll give you this, and I'm going to give you the last statement. I have seen too many girls, I'm talking about all the way down to age 15 in our ministry, that some boy would smile at them. And <laughs> it's amazing a relationship begins. And it's the other way, too. We can read Proverbs. 
and talk about a girl, the look, amen? You better stay away from them. <laughs> you better mark them. Mark them, mom and dad. Warn them, right? Warn them. And here it is. So we're done preaching. So what do we do with this? Does anybody believe any of it? Does it make any Bible sense? Do we want God's vision for our home? The world's going to go to hell. All this is going to burn. Do we want our kids to amount to something for God before the end comes? Well, here it is. You got to start somewhere. Amen? Well, you don't understand. I probably don't. You got to start somewhere. This piece of carpet I'm standing on, start where you're standing. Start where you're standing. Begin to make some changes. And then just work out that way and that way and that way and that way. Explain to your kids how it's going to be. No handcuffs. Or chokies. But just tell them you love them. And because I love you, this is what we're going to do. This is our plan. And make up your mind, you're not, you're not going to be held hostage by darkness. Amen? God went through and got the ones that were born again. And he got them on that boat. And he saved enough of the animals to repopulate, and he started over. And so this morning, I, you know, as preachers say, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you think about what I just said. But I'm glad it's in the book, and I believe it's very teachable, and I believe it's very accurate, and I believe this is where it unraveled. So maybe today, you may not be with everything, but maybe you're with something. Maybe you, well, how do I get a godly vision for my home? Well, keep coming to Sunday school and preaching. Amen? Takes three to thrive. Dr. Lee Robertson that preached right here many times, and I came here to see him. Takes three to thrive. God will build you and make you. Don't be afraid of asking questions in your Sunday school. Don't be afraid of talking to the preacher. But then when you get a Bible answer, begin to put it into practice. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet and pray.